The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. Amen. Happy Easter to all of you. Happy Easter. 
It's so wonderful to worship with you on this very special day. This is the day that changed history. You know, when we enter into uh, liturgical worship, uh, time is suspended. And last night we said, this is the night. And this is the night when the uh, when the uh, uh, Israelites were taken out of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea. So we are, in a sense, present at the resurrection this morning. That was an event that changed history. And for that reason, some people in their tradition call it Day of Days or the first day. But the thing that uh, I find so fascinating about it is realizing that this morning there are millions upon millions of Christians who are worshiping, not necessarily at the same time, but on the morning of the resurrection. And to think that it all began with a young woman, Mary Magdalene, standing in front of an empty tomb in the darkness in Jerusalem and weeping. And from that moment, now we come and we, too, this morning, say with her, eventually, I have seen my Lord. He is risen. The gospel that we just heard is, I think, one of the most wonderful accounts of the resurrection. And I feel that way about it in part because I think it pictures the disciples as real people in a way that some of the other accounts do not. We see Mary coming to the tomb early in the morning, uh, a woman who clearly is in great anguish and grief. And she comes there in order to be present with her Lord in the tomb. He should be there. But she gets there and the stone is rolled away and she sees that it's empty. And immediately she believes that the grave has been robbed, that they've taken his body away. And she wonders where he had been taken. Well, she runs back to tell the disciples what she's found. And then a strange little part of the account, uh, Peter and John, who's referred to as the other disciple, run to the tomb. And John just can't help but note in this gospel that he got there first. (laughs) So he peeks in while Peter's still making his way. I think Peter had some arthritis. I can relate to that. (laughs) But he peeks in. And he sees that the linens have been laid out uh, carefully. And then Peter gets there and he lets Peter go in first. And then he follows. And indeed, the linens have been stacked in one side. And then the cloth that had been over Jesus' face and his head is rolled up on the other side where Jesus had been laying. It didn't look like a place where someone had robbed a grave. But he doesn't really go into that in his account. Instead... The strangest thing, I think, of all in this gospel, it says that they went home. They just left. And it also said that John believed, but we don't know what he believed, because the account also says that they did not yet understand what the scriptures said about him having to die and rise again on the third day. I think that then we see uh, Mary back at the tomb, and she does not leave. Unlike them, she stays there. And perhaps it's because of her great grief. She just can't leave. She goes into the tomb, and there she sees two angels. And they were very helpful. They asked her, why are you weeping? Seems like an obvious question, but... Then she comes out of the tomb, and she sees someone that she thinks is the gardener. 
And she asked him, do you know where they have taken Jesus? And then he says to her simply, Mary. And as soon as he speaks her name, she knows who it is. She falls to his feet. And then he tells her the things that he should, she should pass on to the disciples when she goes back to see them and tell them that I have, been, I have risen from the dead. So she does. She goes back, tells the disciples. The thing that is so fascinating, I think, about this story is that unlike in the other accounts where there were other women with Mary Magdalene, in this account, it is, account, it is Mary alone. She is there alone. And she goes back. In a sense, she's an apostle to the disciples. She goes back and tells them that he is risen. Now, keep in mind that in that culture, if uh, something of significance is to be attested to, it required the testimony of two men. A woman, one woman only, especially, giving testimony to something would have been discounted. This is one of the reasons that I think we can have faith that this account is recording something that happened. Because if the writer of this account wanted to have a propaganda piece and make it sound more authentic, he wouldn't have had the testimony of one woman to the fact that Jesus had risen from the dead. The other thing that I find so fascinating about this gospel is that it depicts these disciples as very human people, not uh, something that we might see in one of those wonderful paintings where everything is pristine and perfect. These were people who had doubts like you and me, people who really questioned what was going on. And nowhere in Scripture do we have any sense that the disciples ever understood that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. You know, he told them that he had to go to Jerusalem. He would have to suffer and die. And then three days later, he would rise from the dead. But they never understood that. So I believe that on that first Easter morning, when they stood at the open tomb, they believed that Jesus was dead, his body removed, and that their mission, the Jesus mission, was over. It was dead as well. And one can only imagine how frightened they must have been, how completely confused that must have been for them. And we also know that they didn't just go home. They went to a room and locked themselves in because they were so afraid. Well, I think it's uh, encouraging, at least I find it encouraging, to read this account of the disciples and their doubts and their wondering and not being able to get it right away. It's encouraging to me that these were people who walked with Jesus, who lived with him, who heard him preach and teach, who saw him heal and do all sorts of miracles. And yet they had their doubts. Now, I know that some of you are here this morning against your will. <laughs> this is one of those special occasions where you get up and you just do it. And I also know that perhaps some of you are having trouble choking down this whole idea of a resurrection. I think that this resurrection story is especially for those of us who may have some doubt. The disciples had doubt. And I think it's important for us to know that like Mary coming to them, 
Resurrection finds us. We don't find it. The good news finds us. We don't find it. And often it finds us in the form of a person who comes to us and tells us what they've experienced, what they've seen, what they know, what they know in their bones, in their gut. We are uh, so prone to be materialistic in the sense of thinking in terms of material reality. That if you can't prove it, if you can't touch it, if it doesn't fit a scientific equation, it just isn't real. My time spent ministering with Native American people helped me to open myself to the possibility that there's a lot more that we don't understand, that we can't touch, but that is real. And I think that has something to do with the resurrection. It is real. We can't prove it. But we know it's real by the lives that have been touched by it, that have been changed by it. By the witness of people like Mary Magdalene, people like you. A few years ago, I came across a book that was, uh, became very important to me. It was uh, shortly after I had been ordained a priest. The book is entitled Strong in the Broken Places, and it's written by Leonard Sweet. Uh, Leonard Sweet was the, uh, had been the dean of uh, the United Seminary. It's a Methodist seminary in Dayton, Ohio. And now he's on the faculty of Drew University. But the book is a, a meditations about the life of a priest, George Ross. And George Ross was the Episcopal priest and rector of St. Paul's in Akron, Ohio. He had been known as a crusader for people who suffered from addiction and also for the homeless. But the irony in all of it was that he was also addicted. And greater irony was that he was addicted and the rector of the church where Alcoholics Anonymous was founded. Now, as you can imagine, his life was a very complicated one, and it was complicated for his congregation. And we read in that book moments of incredible blessing that this broken man brought to those people. And other times when the brokenness was just messy for everybody. And as I, I read that book, I think, for me at least as a new priest, it helped me to understand that I didn't have to be a perfect person in order to live out this priesthood that I felt I'd been called to. But I just needed to be the human being that God had created me to be and that God could use that. But I think that the study that he offers is important not just for those of us who are ordained, but I think it's important for the church. It's important for all of us to know that God can use our brokenness. God can make it whole. I think it's very important for us to understand that God loves us even in our brokenness. God's in the business of reaching out over and over again when we are most broken, when we feel the worst, when we feel the most unacceptable to God, reach out and touch us with his love. Not one of us will get through this life unbroken. We have broken relationships, broken values, broken communities. We have a broken government. We have broken bodies. And in some cases, we have broken spirits. But when we think we are most broken, 
that is when God reaches out to us. When we would put ourselves down, God reaches out and lifts us up. When we would turn from love, God reaches out to us in love. And when we would give up on ourselves, God gave God's self for us. The resurrection is God's grand declaration that all can be made new. All can be made new. So don't count on finding an answer to this question about, did he really rise from the dead? Look around you and find the resurrection present in the lives of people that you encounter this day and every day of your lives. And may God grant to you and to me the healing of the broken places in our lives so that we might know that resurrection and new life. Amen. Amen.